0: There are a lot of different points in our history that changed our country as we know it. And 9-11 is in that mix. It put us on a different path, but the most important thing that it showed us is that as Americans we come together in times of strife. No 9-11 date should ever pass without Americans coming together and remembering why we have all the freedoms that we have. What we would really like to see happen this year on September 11th is for people to come out and join Carry the Load and the National Cemetery Administration, cleaning the headstones of all these great heroes out here to show the families that the death of their loved one matter. Join an existing team at the local cemetery near you. If there's not one, we would ask that you start your own. Help us clean the headstones of our heroes. Let's make sure that we give them all the due respect that they deserve.
1: Wednesday, September 4th, 2019, Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. Hope everyone had a good Labor Day weekend. I spent the entire weekend in the pre-approval process for my VA home loan. Fun, fun stuff. Now, I'm taking advice from our episode 150 guests, Maxine and Mark, from the VA Loan Guarantee Service. Namely, I'm taking their advice in getting loan estimates from numerous sources. However, that process, I can tell you right now, is pretty tedious, especially if you've moved a lot. I'm filling out the initial forms, uploading the documents required, and getting spun up on the rates and points program thing, formula. And I'm doing the math to get the quote-unquote best deal. It's tedious, but man, it'll be worth it. Because in the long run, putting in the effort to find the best deal for your current situation can save your family budget a lot of money. So, we've been stuck on 99 ratings and reviews for the past couple weeks. Can't seem to get over the hump to 100, which means no bonus episode featuring Adrian Cronauer of Good Morning Vietnam and the one and only Mel Brooks but I did get an email. This one comes from Carmen Nolan. It says, Hello, Tanner. I'm Carmen Nolan, a social worker with the Atlanta VA healthcare system. I listen to your podcast throughout my workday. I'm also a lieutenant colonel in the Army Reserves. Just returned from my third deployment to Iraq in January of this year. Keep doing what you do. Your podcast provides a wealth of information on the latest developments within the VA as well as the larger veteran community. Signed, Carmen and Nolan. First of all, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to keep bringing these podcasts to you. And any other listeners out there, if you want to send me a note, you can. Just email me at podcastva.gov. Got three news releases this week, two new ones. And I actually missed one last week, and it's kind of a big one. So here it is says, for immediate release, VA launches Veteran Legacy Memorial to honor deceased veterans online. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs National Cemetery Administration launched the Veterans Legacy Memorial on August 14th. The country's first digital platform dedicated entirely to the preservation of the memory of the 3.7 million veterans interred in the VA national cemeteries. Each veteran will have their own memorial page on the VLM a secure web-based platform that creates a perpetual memorial extending beyond the physical border of the National Cemetery. And there's a quote by Robert Wilkie, and then it says, NCA, in conjunction with the VA's Office of Information and Technology, built the architecture for the site, starting with the information contained on every veteran's headstone. In the initial rollout, the public will be able to search the site for veterans, find out where they are buried, and read the basic details of their lives and service. Future capabilities may be expanded to allow families, survivors, fellow veterans, and others to add historic photos and share memories to a deceased veteran's memorial page. Such capabilities will include provisions that allow NCA to manage the site in a manner that maintains the same level of decorum our customers experience in our national cemeteries. For more information about the Veteran Legacy Memorial, visit www.va.gov forward slash Remember, or contact Dr. Bryce Carpenter, the Veterans Legacy Program Manager at bryce.carpenter at va.gov. Dr. Carpenter is also going to be a guest on the show in the coming months, and we're going to talk about the Veterans Legacy Memorial. Okay, next one says, for immediate release, VA partners with National Guard to provide on-site counseling during training weekends. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs and the Department of Defense formalized a partnership on June 28th between VA's vet centers and the National Guard Bureau to provide vet center counseling, outreach staff, and other services to members during training or drill weekends. Quick quote by the secretary, and then it says VA's 300 vet centers. 80 mobile vet centers and a 24-7 call center provide community-based counseling for a wide range of social and psychological services, including confidential readjustment counseling. The program also offers outreach and referral to eligible veterans, active duty National Guard, reserve members, and their families. Vet center counselors and outreach staff, many of whom are veterans themselves, are experienced and prepared to discuss the tragedies of war, loss, grief, and transition after trauma. Suicide prevention is a top priority for the National Guard, which experienced the highest rate of suicide among military components in 2017. Then there's a quote from the chief of the National Guard Bureau. And then it says, suicides across the Guard have dropped to the lowest point than they have been in the past five years when comparing annual data from January to August. The National Guard Bureau, the National Guard Bureau is carefully examining the information to determine whether a direct correlation exists between the reduction of suicides so far in 2019 and this type of strategic engagement. Nearly 300,000 veterans and active duty service members received Vet Center services in 2018. To find out more about Vet Centers or to locate a nearby Vet Center, visit www.vetcenter.va.gov. I didn't know it at the time when I went to the Everett Vet Center in Everett, Washington, but that was the first VA service i had ever seen out in the civilian world when I first got out. Uh, And for me, it was pretty good to go. All right. And finally... For immediate release, VA and the DAV partner to help veterans tee up the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs and the DAV will host nearly 300 veterans with visual impairments, amputations, and other physical and mental challenges at an annual adaptive sports event on September 8th through the 13th near Iowa City, Iowa. The National Disabled Veterans Training Exposure Experience Tournament is a six-day event to promote health, wellness, fellowship, and camaraderie for veterans with disabilities. There's a quote by a secretary. And then it says, the T tournament is made possible by strategic corporate partnerships, nonprofit organizations, and individual donors. It offers veterans education and adaptive and therapeutic golf with instruction from PGA professionals, as well as opportunities to develop new skills and participate in recreational sports. to include horseback riding, disc golf, fishing, kayaking, scuba diving, and biking. Veterans will be paired with one of 700 volunteers who will support them throughout the week. Then there's a quote from the DA national commander. And then it says, for more information, visit Veteranstea.org. That's Veterans t with two E's. So t e e all one word, dot .org. And follow Sports for Vets with four as the number, social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right. This week's interview is the gentleman you heard in the ad at the top of the program. He's a Marine veteran. And while he was in, he was the company commander for the Marine Corps, Silent Joe Platoon. And he also worked at the White House during two administrations. Currently, he is a board member for the nonprofit Carry the Load. And in this interview, he's got some details about the campaign that you heard at the top of the podcast. So, without further ado, I bring to you Marine veteran Todd Boating. Enjoy. Now, my father-in-law is from Texas as well, and I've always learned from him that you always got to ask where in
0: Texas because it's always big. It's that big. Yeah. And, you know, when you start talking about Dallas and Fort Worth, Dallas and Houston, Austin and San Antonio, there's a whole lot of <laughs> subcultural things going on there. So, yes, that's that's always wise to know <laughs> where someone's from.
1: He's uh, he's from the panhandle. He's from a little town called Memphis.
0: And that's a right. totally different country of Texas. So, <laughs>
1: um. So, you graduated from the University of Texas at Dallas. Is that still
0: the Longhorns? No, no, no. The University of Texas at Dallas is actually the Comets. It's a, uh, it's a sub, you know, kind of a, uh, an offshoot campus of the University of Texas uh, in Austin, which is the main University of Texas. But um, Got you. Yeah, the University of Texas at Dallas, I think our, our homecoming consisted of a chess club when I was there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Were you in chess club? Oh God, no. <laughs> were you a, a
1: Longhorn fan, or what, what? Was the what was the college uh, football school choice in Texas?
0: You know, I'll just cut to where it is now. Uh, given the fact that my oldest daughter goes to A and M, you know, we're we're a Giga Maggie family. There you go. So,
1: um, did you graduate? UT Dallas from UT Dallas before you joined the Marine Corps?
0: No, I actually started off at a little tiny school in Mobile, Alabama, uh, before the dean and I came to the realization that we weren't ready for one another. And uh, as a result, um, that's a true story. He, he actually called me in his office one day. And he said, Mr. Boating, I I don't think we're ready for each other. And and I said, uh, <laughs> Mr. Sheer, I, I would agree with that. And so uh, promptly left at the end of the semester and, and came back to Dallas and joined the Marine Corps. So I enlisted first in 1989 before I went back to school at UTD, uh, to get my, uh, my degree.
1: Okay. So you, the Marine Corps let you, allowed you to go back to finish your degree.
0: Yeah, I was actually, I went into the reserves, um, although I spent, uh, a good bit of time on active duty, um, as, uh, I was working in the recruiting area and, yeah. um, and so, you know, went back to school during that time and, uh, and you know, finished my degree and, and then went to OCS. Got you.
1: What led up to you wanting to join the military in the first place?
0: Um, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, like I said, at first it was really a matter of I, I knew I needed uh, some discipline. Um, I knew I needed structure that, um, uh, you know, I was it's not like I was a, a bad student. It just didn't interest me. Yeah. Um, and I was, you know, I wasn't like a discipline problem, you know, per se, but it just, again, I wasn't focused where I needed to focus. So I knew I needed something along those lines and that's how I ended up, uh, uh, joining the Marine Corps. You know, the, right. I'd had plenty of family in, um, you know, in the Army and, and the Navy and the Air Force. So I had a lot of ties to those branches, but nobody else had joined the Marine Corps. And so that was kind of my way of saying, you know, I want to I want to blaze my own trail. I want to be my own guy. Um, you know, I've always kind of done things a little bit different than everybody else, you know, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. And so, sure, you know, sure. that's that's how I ended up in the Marine Corps.
1: Um, so, uh, so, we do have some listeners that who are, who had never served before. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those listeners, uh, I mean, you and I know what a Mustang is. Yes, uh, it's an officer who first enlisted.
0: Uh, you you were a Mustang. Uh, how did that come about? Um, you know, that came about because um, I, honestly, I, I think I had been exposed to enough very positive leadership in the Marine Corps, um, mm. and I'd been exposed to a lot of really good people in the Marine Corps. And as a result, as I was coming out of, uh, you know, coming to the end of my time in college and trying to make a decision on my next step, I I just made the decision. I wanted to lead Marines. I mean, there's, there's, um, you know, there's no greater, you know, collective fighting force on the earth, um, you know, and and certainly in modern time than, you know, than the United States Marine Corps. And, And to, to be a part of that and have that sense of belonging, um, of, of being a part of something special and then to elevate to the next step where, where you can lead those individuals. Um, it, it just, it really instilled in me a tremendous sense of pride and value and, and in a lot of ways, a sense of purpose.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned a lot of, it's perfect. You mentioned a lot of mentors that, that led you along this path, uh, briefly, who were some of your greatest mentors and what did they teach you?
0: Oh, my gosh. Uh, great question. Um, you know, the, the first two that come to mind uh, are my dad and my godfather. Um, you know, mm. not perfect human beings by any stretch. And I think that's what, what one of those things that, that gets lost when we talk about great leaders and great mentors. A lot of times people want to associate that with, you know, with perfection, and, and, yeah. you know, and the, 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 simple fact of the matter is we're, we're human beings. Therefore, perfection is not possible. And, but you know, my, my dad and my godfather were instrumental in guiding me on, on so many fronts. Um, but then, you know, when I got into the Marine Corps, I mean, you know, there's, there's several that come to mind, you know, Colonel, uh, Brickhouse, uh, when I was at, uh, eighth and I, I mean, you know, he's one of those guys that if he called me right now and said, uh, Hey, you're, you're needed. Um, I'm going to go first calls to my wife. Hey, I got to go. I'll be back uh, when I can. And then the yeah. second call is to get my, uh, my plane ticket. So, um, you know, so he was certainly one of them, uh, Colonel pa- or excuse me. Well, I knew him as Colonel Paxton. He, he went on to be uh, general Paxton. Is that um, Lieutenant General Paxton? That, the one that became a deputy commandant of aviation? That's, that's the one. Um, yeah. General John Paxton. He, he taught me a great lesson that I remember to this day, it's just one of those things that sticks out. And, you know, we, we were trying to, uh, I had responsibility for uh, command operations center and getting them from point A to point B. And, and it was a big to do on, on how to get these vehicles, you know, packed up. And we had so much stuff we wanted to pack up. And, and, and I realized as a Lieutenant, I was, uh, well, he made me realize as a Lieutenant, I was overcomplicating things. And he just kind of <laughs> stopped me and he said, he said, Todd, there's a place for everything, and everything has its place. If it doesn't fit into one of those two categories, get rid of it. And it just really kind of simplified things to the point where we recognize, OK, we don't absolutely need that, so let's get rid of it. So, yeah, a lot of great mentors like that and a lot of great stories like that. Got another story? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I do. Um, probably one of the most impressionable moments for me was, um, I came off of, um, I, I had the absolute pleasure of being a, uh, the platoon commander for the silent drill platoon, uh, for one year, um, oh, wow. you know, which in, in hindsight was probably the greatest, um, the greatest duty in the Marine Corps. I mean, it was just phenomenal. Those kids were absolutely amazing. And, so anyway i i finished my my year with them and uh, colonel ferguson uh who was the xo at the barracks at the time he calls me in his office and uh you know he's he's very he's a he's short in stature but absolutely fills up the room you know one of those kind of guys sure absolutely he's he's, he's from,
1: everybody takes notice when he
0: walks in oh a- absolutely but but not yeah. in a not in, a, in an oh no way but just in a, in a respect way and absolutely. um you know and he's you know, he's from Tennessee, and he had this—he had this accent that you know was, was you know unmistakable, and and so he um, he comes over to me. And he says, "You know, Todd, thanks for coming in, and just want to let you know that uh, you know you've had a great year this past year. You had the, one of the best duties ever in the Marine Corps, and." now I'm going to need you to do something that you probably don't want to do. And I'm going to put you in a position that you really don't want to be in. And, and he put his hand on my shoulder and he looked me in the eye and he said, just remember this grow where you planted. Oh yeah. And, and that has stuck with me to this day. And I've used that as a teaching moment for so many other things that have, uh, that have happened because he was right. I mean, I did not want to you know, go to the, to the billet that he was assigning me. Yeah. But You know, it didn't matter. I mean, grow wherever you're planted, wherever you are placed. Doesn't mean you have to like it. Doesn't mean you have to like everything about it. But figure out a way to grow was the message I took away.
1: You know, I I think that's such a a saying throughout the Marine Corps. And everybody kind of knows where the first place they were when they heard that saying. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, it's such a it's such a good saying. It's passed on the Marine Corps
0: everywhere. Um, What was the billet? Um, I went, uh, well, I was the XO for one of the line companies and, and it, it gotcha. so it was, uh, gotcha. it was more of a support role, you know, as, as, uh, you know, some of the li- yep. your listeners may not be aware as a commanding officer, you're, you're in a direct leadership uh, capacity, but as an executive officer, um, you're, you're in more of a support role to the commanding officer, but you don't have really that many, uh, you know, direct reports. But I, I what I learned out of that was how influential, you know, you, you don't have to be the guy in charge to have influence. You can be the guy behind the guy and have just as much influence. And that was really, you know, Colonel Ferguson, um, I, I think, highlighted that for me.
1: Absolutely. Um, so you, you like me are, are, are familiar with evening parades. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> being, being at Marine Barracks, D.C. Uh, it, and I got to, I got to let, I got to let our listeners know, if you ever go to D.C. in the summertime, Attend one on a Friday night at Marine Barracks Washington. It's something that you won't forget. Um, oh, yeah. It's something that also, I think, as a participant or uh, at the time, I had to film those every every Friday. Uh, somewhere in the main, you know, I think a lot of Marines, they, they forget what that actually means to the public. And then you look back on it as a veteran and you go, you know what, that's actually a really, really good thing that the Marine Corps does.
0: Well, you know, it, it's uh, Marines love it because it really showcases, you know, where we where we put so much pride and and, and honor. Uh, it also reminds us of, you know, the of our very ethos. Um, you know, yeah. close order drill is, is, is what, you know, because that, that highlights our, uh, our discipline, um, the, the general public loves it because it, it, you know, as, as cliche as it sounds, it really makes them proud to be an American. Um, you know, I was uh, fortunate this past uh, summer to take my son up there and, you know, and he'd heard me <clears throat> talk about some of this stuff sometime, but, you know, he, he didn't really understand it or appreciate it until he went. And, you know, he, he still looks at me like I'm the, you know, the dumbest person on earth, but, you know, that's that's because <laughs> of the age he's at. Um, but he has a different appreciation and respect because he could see that you don't just walk out there and everybody say, OK, do this, do this and do this. And then all of a sudden it comes together. I mean, it's obvious that there is a lot of time and attention uh, put behind those uh, parades.
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh you know, sometimes after you maybe your 50th, you kind of you kind of lose sight of what it all means, but I always go back to the first time I heard taps on the ramparts during yeah. the parade. Yeah. You know. Um so I always try to keep that in mind. Um you also had a stint at the White House, right?
0: Yeah, uh I had a the official name of the bill it was Social Aid. Uh I always call it a you know, it was a glorified potted plant. Um as, as social aids, our job was really to kind of, you know, facilitate, uh, the events. Um, so, you know, very oftentimes when you see an event, uh, um, uh, in the East room, uh, of the yeah. white house, you know, that you've got all the, the gold chairs, um, encircled around the podium, um, you, you'll see military standing off in the distance and, and just kind of you know, like I said, just being a glorified potted plant, and that interesting. The, the, but the, the purpose for that um, developed as a result of when people would come to. I mean, I don't know how long that tradition ha, ha, has occurred, but think about it this way: people are awestruck when they get to the White House, and you know, and for all the yeah. for all the good reasons. But so you know, if there are a, a bunch of Secret Service in in suits. And even though you know they've got their their earplugs in, people aren't going to necessarily listen to them the same way because they're awestruck with what's going on so you put a bunch of of uh military officers in uniform there and it it just has a different uh sense of authority and so like I said we you know, we get to you know to kind of you know we would herd people around and now one of the one of the funniest things I witnessed there um was, you know, under President Clinton, you know, he liked to have a lot of the uh, uh, Hollywood folks there. Sure. And um, I don't remember the event, but there were a lot of, a lot of folks uh, from Hollywood there. And I'm not going to give you some of the names for, to be mindful of the absent, but one of them comes up and um, I'm standing there with this guy, Christian Rankin, uh great Marine, very, very large guy too. And, oh, wow. and this, this Hollywood um elite walks up and he's trying to get past him and uh, rankin says i'm sorry sir you you can't sit there and he goes but i want to go sit there rankin says sir i'm sorry (laughs) that's a reserve that's reserved for the families that are here you can't sit there and he says well do you know who i am and rankin says he pulled
1: pulled out the card
0: oh he did but rankin's card was better he says do you know who i work for so go sit down (laughs) It was I mean it was a it was one of the funniest moments I've experienced but um he he was ready for it. Oh, he was he was, <laughs> he was well, well it got a little old after a while you're listening to some of these elites and you know and they uh, the, you know they thought that uh they were a little better than others but at the same time there were others that were so humble you wouldn't believe it. There were world leaders that were I mean, if they bumped into you, they they would apologize profusely because that that's just you could tell that's the way they were raised. I mean, uh, it was an interesting interesting uh, group of people to see under under Presidents Clinton and Bush.
1: Wow, that had to been a really that's an interesting billet a glorified potted plant at the White House.
0: I have to tell you, at the end of the day, what I saw in President Clinton and President Bush was almost identical. These these two men were as genuine a people in person as I've seen.
1: Interesting. Interesting. So, Todd, you got out the same year that I came in the Marine Corps, uh, 2003. Mm -hmm. What was the most challenging part of your transition?
0: Mm. Very simple. And it goes back to sense of belonging. Um, you, You don't know. How much you're going to miss that that sense of belonging when you get out? Absolutely. You know, I mean I would you know I sat there and did all the analysis of, you know, do I stay in? do I get out? Um, the you know I did the Franklin T, and and the reasons to get out were overwhelming. The reasons to stay in were very, very few, and they really focused on people. And they, and in a sense, I didn't realize that it, that it focused on sense of belonging because I didn't use those words at that time, but yeah. you, you knew you were making a difference. You know, it, it may not be every day, all day, but you knew you were, you were involved in something that mattered. And so something you know, that was bigger than yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, getting out and I, and I had, you know, my entire, um, you know, life, I was raised in, in, in that kind of community. I mean, where I went to high school, which is where my dad went to high school and my son went to high school was, you know, the motto was man for others. And so, you know, you, you're, you're raised under that cloak in the Marine Corps. It's, it's beat into your head without, you know, without even realizing it. And, you know, so then all of a sudden you get out and it's just not quite as big a deal. Um, the, the sense of purpose is gone. And quite honestly, that's how I, you know, that's how you and I have come together is, you know, is through my involvement and in carry the load. Yeah. Um, and, and it, uh, it really has restored my sense of purpose because it makes a difference to families.
1: Yeah. You and I met on, uh, on Memorial day weekend. I remember meeting you. Uh, yes. I think I was finishing my leg through Arlington and you were starting yours. Um, Currently, you're a board member of Carry the Load. And for those that didn't listen to uh, Navy SEAL veteran and, and founder Stephen Hawley's interview in our archives, and if, I ha- if you haven't, I highly suggest that you do. Um, but for those that haven't, what is the mission of Carry the Load?
0: Well, Carry the Load is essentially about making Memorial Day matter. Um, you know, there's a couple different ways we can say it, you know, restoring the true meaning of Memorial day, making Memorial day matter. But it's, you know, in in a nutshell, it's, it's, it's educating people that Memorial day for, you know, for many families, um, or excuse me, Memorial day for us as a nation is, is one day a year. But for, you know, for all the families that have lost a loved one, I mean, it's 365 days a year. Absolutely. And, and so, Making sure that that people remember that and, and not not because people don't want to remember, but, you know, it's what we found through, you know, through Stephen and, and the other co-founder, Clint, you know, what, what they what they embarked on was something that allowed us to realize the American public cares. But we stopped knowing how to care. in in our opinion. And that's where carry the load has, has really made an impact is it, it helps people see how to care again. And so, you know, if you ask somebody, how much is your, is your freedom worth? You know, is, is it worth a dollar? Is it worth a hundred dollars? You know, whatever the case may be, how much is it worth when it's all said and done? And you, you, you make people understand that their freedom they would they would pay exponential for their freedom if they lost it, yeah. and so we're all about making sure that people do not forget those things.
1: That's such a a, a good um, a good thing because, I, I just to give you a quick story, um, you know, in two thousand nine, I was working in the in the, in the Beltway. Um, at that point, I was pretty in a pretty dark place. The news wasn't really talking about the wars that were going on. Um, DC, you, you know, if you've never been to DC, you know, you think from the outside, it's the, one of the most patriotic places. Uh, sometimes it's not, I was in a dark place. I was thinking that maybe everyone forgot about us uh-huh. until, until I went to Pennsylvania and we were there to, uh, to go to a Marine, uh, by the name of Ralph Fabry, his funeral. And I can't tell you what it did for, for everyone that went to have that town remember that, that Marine Um, Mm -hmm. there was a yellow ribbon on every, every tree. um, As you came into the town, they passed a midnight midnight law to make sure that the Westboro Baptist church wasn't allowed pretty much in the city limits. Uh, They had rolling, you know, elements of, you know, rolling thunder and, and, and VFW bikers that basically guarded the town to make sure they didn't come in. And that town honored that Marine. And I can't tell you even, you know, the, 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 funeral of course is to honor Ralph Fabry, but what it did for the other active duty service members that came to pay their respects and to see that town come out like that. Um, it's important for the public to never
0: forget. It is because, you know, I've, I've told a story many times about 10 years ago. My wife and I were fortunate enough to go to Greece and, um, we we're, we we're in thessaloniki uh, which is on the, on the Northern side of Greece. And we're, we're walking along the water and off in the distance, I can see this statue. And as we get closer, I, I said, I think that's Alexander the great up there, you know, cause he was actually from, uh, not too far away there in Macedonia Yeah. and, um, as we as we get a little closer, I, 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 I mean, I'm like a giddy little schoolboy because, you know, I'm a I'm a history guy. And I, and I said, yeah, I said, oh, my God, that is that's, you know, that's a statue of Alexander the Great. I mean, I was acting like I'm seeing the guy himself. Right. And, and um, but <laughs> then out. As, as I get a little closer, I start seeing everything else that's going on around it. There's graffiti on the base of the, the monument. There are kids skateboarding doing, you know, sidekicks or whatever they do off the side of the monument. And there's two police officers walking by just smoking and flicking their cigarette butts as all this is going on. And I'm thinking to myself, this was once an unbelievably great nation with an unbelievable leader. You know, whether whether you like the way he did it or not, you, you have to acknowledge that he was able to do it. And I'm thinking, this kind of apathy is, is our biggest foe in the United States. It is, it is not taking over yet, but it is beginning to root. And again, this goes back to carry the load and why our mission is so important Yeah. because freedom is not free and it can never be, uh, forgotten. Absolutely.
1: You know, I, when I first met you in Arlington, I recognized you from a lot of the videos that Carry the Load produces. And I think that your marketing team chooses to, to feature you a lot because it's easy to see and easy to hear the passion that you bring to what Carry the Load does. Um, it's easy to see that you personally connect with the mission.
0: Well, I appreciate that. It could also be because I don't charge them and, um, <laughs> Absolutely. you're, you're, you're very kind to say that, but, uh, but it is true the the passion and I, and I appreciate that, that, uh, you know, what you're saying there and, and that you recognize that because it, you know, it really is important. I mean, you know, if you, you know, I mean, my, my mother lost her brother in Vietnam. My, you know, my grandfather, um, you know, served in World War II, and, and I know had some scars. My, um, you know, my wife's grandfather, you know, took his own life uh, years later mm. after World War II uh, because of lingering uh, injuries, and you know, and the list goes on and on. That that's not even to mention, you know, the the current climate and. I mean, it's just again, when you look at the fact that less than one percent I was I was doing some studies the other day, I pulled up the Bureau of Labor Statistics and I added up all of the active duty military and all of the active duty police, fire and rescue we are still, if you combine all of that, it is actually less. Now, I wasn't a good math guy, but if, if, if my math, math right, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it was still less than 1% of the population. And, wow. you know, that's, that's frightening that 1% of the population um, is, is all that's protecting us. And then I went on to a volunteer site and found only about 24% of the population volunteers, and so, you know, again, I think it goes back to what we were talking about, Tanner. I, it, you know, in a lot of cases, people don't know they want to do more. I think everybody's got a, a much bigger heart than than those statistics um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, show. And so, you know, we're, we're always encouraging people. And in one of those videos that, that you reference, you know, get out and serve in some way. You don't have to serve in the military to serve. You know, yeah. I mean, wh- whether it's at your church or the school or the community, go serve others because there there is no greater uh, reward, in my opinion, than being able to serve someone else.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. 100 percent agree. And, and you guys do a lot with other nonprofits. uh you know, for more history of Carrie Lode, I recommend you check out Stephen's interview. But you guys do a lot with other nonprofits by way of collaborating and mm-hmm. and with your continuum of care programs that you have. Um, you know, if if you haven't, check out that interview in our archives and, and check it out on the website, uh, CarrieLode.org. Todd, tell me about your current partnership that's coming up with Carrie Lode and the VA's National Cemetery Administration on 9/11. What's that about?
0: Oh my gosh, we we are so incredibly humbled and excited that that the national cemetery administration, um, is, is coming alongside of us. So about, I guess it was about a year and a half, two years ago. Now. Um, I, uh, well, it was a year and a half when, when I went up to the East coast relay, um, East coast, national relay during, um, may and got to meet under secretary Reeves, um, when we were, you know, we were out walking on the trail. I mean, he, he came out and, and, and walked along with us and we started talking and realized that, that the missions of the NCA and carry the load are so interlocking and we've developed out of that, this, this fantastic partnership where, um, you know, we've gone, I mean, I can't, I think it's like 30 plus cemeteries that we go through now on the, uh, uh, on the national relay between our, our three legs. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. That's the, that's the core of your mission, all these huge national relays yes. uh, that you guys, that you guys do every Memorial day. Yeah.
0: And, and so, you know, walking through the, the cemeteries, which again, are, are the, uh, I mean, the absolute picture of why we do what we do. I mean, we want to honor those, those men and women who've made the ultimate sacrifices, but, um, you know, we've got a, a, big event coming up on September 11. Um, and we're up to 39 cemeteries, I believe, oh, wow. um, where wow, we are. That's more, that's more than a couple of weeks ago when we last talked. Yes. Yes. I mean, so and, you know, and our goal was to get to 40. And so we're at 39. But but essentially, you know, and, and by the way, we've got 75 people already locked on to come in Dallas. So, you yeah, oh, know, and, and of course, we should have that many here, this being our home base. But um but yeah, 75 people to, to come out to the cemeteries. And so you're, you're thinking to yourself, OK, well, what are we going to do? We're just going to go out there and honor things. Well, yeah, we are. We're going to go out and honor by taking care of their home. We're going to clean their headstones. We're going to we're going to uh, you know, trim the trees. We're going to pick up trash, whatever the case may be. We want to make sure that we're that their final resting place remains as as beautiful to, to the human eye as it can be. We we owe them that we owe their families that more than anything. Unfortunately, the dead are are, are no longer here. We can't do anything about that. Yeah. But we can honor their families and show them that the death of their loved one still matters, and, and that we're not going to forget it. So that's that's happening on September 11. And you know, some people. Um, it, what what's kind of interesting about our organization is that we have. Um, our organization includes honoring our police fire and rescue as well. Yeah. And so we're a little different from other, you know, veteran service organizations in that regard, but the reason we do that and the reason 911 to me is or to all of us is such a big day is that the events of 911 I think brought the two branches of protection, if you will, domestic and and foreign protection. It brought those, those two elements together and will forever link them. And so it's, it's our way to, to really, you know, showcase the, you know, the police fire and rescue folks. I mean, as, as, as you well know, I mean, they keep things safe for us while we're gone. We couldn't, you know, those with families could not go overseas and do what they do and put themselves in harm's way without our police, fire and rescue personnel, keeping things safe back home. 100%
1: agree. 100% agree. Um, so 39 national Sem- national VA cemeteries around the country. Um, how can someone like, like say, if I want to participate, how can I find out if my VA national cemetery near me is going to be participating in this event on nine 11?
0: So um, what I would encourage people to do is, is go to carry the load, carrytheload.org slash NCA, as in National Cemetery Administration. Okay. Um, there is, uh, people can register there. Um, and when, when you do that, it, it should indicate, uh, um, you know, the, uh, the closest the one near you. Yeah, it, it'll, it'll indicate the closest, uh, well, it'll indicate the locations that are available and, and it has them highlighted with city and state. But, you know, at the same time, if there's one near you and it's not on the list, we would say reach out and contact to start one. It's a it's an unbelievable opportunity for employee engagement. Um, you know, our, our sponsors, some of our sponsors like AT&T, Samsung, Chase, they've got large contingents coming out uh, around the country that day. And That's so, great. you know, close the doors you know, to the office or leave a you know, leave a small group back there to operate. Um, you know, get on out there and, and, um, and just do something small like that. Again, there's something so meaningful about just something so small. And we just want to encourage people to, to get out there and show their appreciation.
1: Gotcha. And we'll also have a list on blogs.va.gov and we'll link it to that link that you just, you just gave me. So um, after the interview, just, just remind me and I'll make sure we get that on the, on the blog. Fantastic. So Todd, what is one skill that you learned in the military that you still use today?
0: Oh, gosh. Uh, what is, you know, yeah, I know. That's, that's a great question. Um, you know, when, when you think of skill, most people go to, you know, the ability to, you know, navigate from, you know, one point to another without a, without a GPS or something like that. Really, for me, it goes back to people. Um, you know, the, the skill that I learned is, um, um is about making sure that you listen to others. Um we had you and I were both around so many incredibly smart people. And the funny thing is a lot of people look at the Marine Corps as, as you know a bunch of knuckle draggers and you know crane eaters. Yeah I, I read uh, I read more in the Marine Corps than I've ever read anywhere else in life. Absolutely. Um, And, and so what I learned though was to listen to people because there are so many, I don't care if if you're the commandant of the Marine Corps or the newest private in the Marine Corps, there is something to learn from one of them. Um, and, and oftentimes the lessons that, that, that come out of it are, are more lessons that you, you learn by observing, uh, and listening, um, rather than being taught something, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean the the again the biggest skill to to me was was understanding that everybody has something to contribute no matter how big or how small. And yeah. um I, that's unfortunately I think that you know a lot that's not taught enough. It really isn't.
1: 100% agree. So Todd give me one nonprofit or one veteran in the veteran space that you think is a good example of what is a good example for others to to emulator c
0: um there there honestly are, are so many of them and and uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna take the easy way out on this i'm not going to give you one because um if you look at the way we are set up um you know we have uh, approximately 30 nonprofit partners and that became very intentional for us when we first started and we were raising money and we we're we we're you know, we were giving a lot of money to these operators. Um, yeah, we it soon became evident that we couldn't continue at that pace. I mean, there's just not going to be enough money to go around to make an impact. And so a lot of other organizations made the decision to um, um, a lot of other organizations have made the decision along the way to Roll people off, roll organizations off. You know, this year, these are our six beneficiaries and next year is going to be this six. Um, but when you, when you roll people off or roll organizations off, um, uh, from your partnership, to me, it sends the wrong message. It says that you're, you're you know, thanks. You were our partner, but you're no longer our partner. And, and what we've, the decision we've made because there are so many good organizations and there yeah. are so many organizations doing it right. We look at it as, you know, once a partner, always a partner. You may not receive the money this year, but we're still going to put you out front and make sure that other people know about you because you're doing a good job. And so that that's why I'm kind of copping out and not giving you a single one. There's just too many of them. Yeah. Um, now the the you know on the on the flip side, there are a lot of, of VSOs out there that are redundant. And, you know, we've really tried to encourage uh, consolidation in that regard. And we've even, you know, uh, considered it ourselves because, you know, if we're going to preach it, you know, we need to make sure that we're prepared to practice it Um, at this point in time. You know, we've not found anybody that, you know, we we have such a niche in the in the veteran world that, um, you know, that that really hasn't been able to uh, be executed. So,
1: You guys are national. Uh, is there any that is there any that are hyper local with the same mission set that you guys
0: have? Uh, not with the same mission set. No, not not that not that I'm aware of. I mean, I'm sure something exists, but
1: sure, sure. There's like over what well, I think someone told me over 50,000 veteran service organizations out there right now. Yeah, today, so.
0: the space is I don't want to say it's watered down, but it's there's just a lot of redundancy. And yeah. I, I don't you know, everybody has the you know, the next great idea. And again, we just we would really like for uh, uh, for some of these organizations to I mean, I, I was actually in the process of of trying to create one of those myself uh, before uh, before I was introduced to carry the load. And I realized that they were a lot further along. So I threw mine out and got behind them. Um, and, and so that's that's the kind of stuff that, you know, we really want to encourage people to to think through.
1: Got you. Todd, is there anything else that I haven't asked
0: that you think it's important to share for our listeners? Um, my kids are probably all rolling their eyes right about now because they're like, oh, God, you gave them an open floor. Um, <laughs> you, you know, the, the thing I keep coming back to, Tanner, is there, there are so many good Americans out there. And there are so many people that can make a positive impact. And for, for some reason, some people don't get out and serve their communities. And I just can't iterate enough how important that is and how meaningful it is. Um, You know, I mean, there's, there's so many bad things that we hear about in the uh, uh, in the media, you know, with shootings and, 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 you know, this bad thing and that bad thing. And for, I just recognize that a lot of it is a lack of sense of purpose. You know, if somebody had a sense of purpose and a sense of belonging, that stuff doesn't happen. And so, you know, 24% of the population does it and 75 doesn't. So if we flip that, how many more good things are gonna happen in society?
1: I was a gunner's mate, Tonkin golf. Logistics, Ramstein. Medic, Kandahar. As a veteran, it doesn't matter when or where you served. Infantry, Camp Pendleton. Or what you did. The VA has benefits that may be useful to you right now. See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov. want to thank Todd for taking the time to speak with us. For more information on Carry the Load's September 11th event at our VA National Cemeteries, go to www.carrytheload.org forward slash N-C-A. And as for next week, uh, September 11th does fall on our usual Wednesday podcast drop. And I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss next week's guest. He was in the Pentagon during the attack on September 11, 2001, and he helped lead the immediate recovery effort. And He's our guest right here next week. You're not going to want to miss it. This week's Born in the Battle of Veteran of the Week is Marine Veteran Michael Gilroy. Michael was born on January 14, 1984 in Slidell, Louisiana. He graduated from Pearl River High School in 2002 and enlisted in the Marine Corps in 2003. After completing boot camp, he trained as a combat engineer and served with the 3rd Motor T Battalion as part of of the 3rd Marine Logistics Group in Okinawa, Japan. And he was in the 1st Combat Engineer Battalion, part of the 1st Marine Division at Camp Pendleton. In 2007, Gilroy attended the basic reconnaissance course and became a reconnaissance marine with the 1st Reconnaissance Battalion. In 2009, Michael attended Marine Special Operations training and graduated as a Special Operations Marine Raider. The Marine Corps assigned him to the 1st Marine Operations Battalion based in Camp Pendleton. During his career, he deployed multiple times to Iraq and Afghanistan. In 2012, while deployed to Afghanistan, Gilroy was on a routine airdrop resupply mission and rolled over while in his all-terrain vehicle. Despite being evacuated to the nearest field hospital, sadly, Michael died due to his injuries. Nearly 1,000 people attended his funeral. Gilroy's personal decorations include a Navy Marine Corps Achievement Medal, a Combat Action Ribbon, two good conic medals, and he was also a black belt in the Marine Corps Martial Arts program and an expert swimmer. We honor his service. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a Born the Battle Veteran of the Week like the one you just heard, you can. Just email us at podcast at Include a short write-up and let us know why you would like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. For more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov and follow the VA on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Rally Point, etc. the DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, no matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you right here next week. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss next week.